Well, several weeks ago, we started a new series that I entitled Home with Hope. And we defined hope this way. It is anticipating God's goodness. David, at the end of Psalms 23, said, Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. When you and I get into eternity future, into God's big, big house, okay, every day is going to be filled with anticipation. What's going to happen next? Well, God just doesn't want that for the future. Folks, he wants that in the here and now. He wants our homes to be filled with hope and anticipation of God's goodness. He wants our big house, our home, our spiritual home here to be filled with hope. You see, when we don't understand the goodness of God, all kinds of problems begin to develop in our lives that lead to hopelessness. I mentioned last week the process that, that this occurs. If you missed last week, can I encourage you to go back and take a look at it because it is foundational for what we are building upon in 2018 in the year of hope. What we discovered was that this hopelessness comes when we begin to claim credit for what God is doing in our life. We stop praying. We don't trust God in our difficult situations and we become pessimistic. Today, we're gonna take a look at another layer of God's goodness. And I wanna encourage you to take some really, really good notes. Because if there was ever a time in our lives that hopelessness abounded, it's now. Globally, nationally, locally, maybe even in our own life and families. So I want you to take some good notes. We're gonna take a look at this phrase, the Lord is my shepherd. Because that phrase gives us a picture of the goodness of God that helps you and I with this. It helps us with worry, of not worrying about anything. And we're going to discover this as we talk about three big rocks. One is this, some facts about God. The other one is why worry is worthless. And then finally, how you and I can connect with the God of all hope. First of all, some facts about this good, good God who's good all the time. One is this. Will you write this down? God is the source of everything that I need to live. You don't have to look anywhere else. You don't have to look to the government for tax cuts. You don't have to look to Social Security. You don't have to look to your job. You don't have to look to your spouse. God is the source of everything that I need to live. You see, if you put your security in something, Guess what? You want to make sure that it isn't going to change because if it does, then you're going to be insecure. All the things that I just mentioned and more change all the time. The only thing that doesn't change in your life is your relationship with Jesus Christ. That is why David in Psalms 23 said, the Lord is my shepherd, I will lack nothing. He, he says, I'll lack nothing. Why is that? Because God is his shepherd. A shepherd is the one who cares for sheep. 
Sheep are incredibly defenseless. They don't have claws like a lion. They, they don't, they're not like a gazelle that can outrun their prey. And on top of those things, they aren't that smart. They're, they're kind of stupid, to be honest with you. They truly need a defender. They need a shepherd or they're going to be eaten alive. Now, a shepherd isn't just one who defends. A shepherd is one who leads, feeds, and meets needs. That is what a shepherd does. And that is what God wants to do for you. He wants you to lead, feed. He wants to lead, feed, and meet needs in your life. And you and I have all kinds of needs. You have the need for stability. You have the need for support. You have the need for significant self-expression, stimulation. You have the need for encouragement and comfort and discipline and direction. And God says, I'll give you all of these things. Now, I don't know if you realize this, but if you're a parent, your role as a parent with your kids, and I don't care whether they're older kids or younger kids, you just parent differently, is to lead, feed, and meet needs. If you are a manager of anybody, guess what? You are to lead, feed, and meet needs. If you are a pastor, guess what my role is? It's to lead, feed, and meet needs. In fact, the word uh, shepherd in the Greek is pastor. And so our role as a husband is to lead, feed, and meet needs. Now, the second thing about this good, good God of ours that is good all the time is this, that there's nothing that I need that God can't supply. Paul says in Philippians 4, 19, God will supply all you'll ever need from his glorious resources in Christ Jesus. Now, I want you to circle the phrase, in Christ, <clears throat> in Christ Jesus. God's goodness is not based on your goodness. No, it is based on Christ's goodness. You don't have to be good in order for God to be good to you. God is good to you because of Jesus Christ. The third thing about this good, good God is simply this, that God doesn't want me to worry about anything. Zip, not it, zilch, okay? He doesn't want me to worry about anything. Now, you may not realize this, but the most common sin is worry. There was a lady in our church a number of years ago, and I was getting to know her. You know, I don't get to see everyone all the time, but after about, I don't know, about three, four-year period of time, she would always come up to me and say, I'm worried about this. I'm worried about that. Will you pray with me? And I did. I prayed over the years until finally it dawned on me. I just, I don't know, maybe it was a Holy Spirit moment. I just looked at her and said, you know what? I'm going to pray for you on this, but do you realize that worry is a sin? No. Yeah, it is. Folks, it's the most common sin. We all do it, I do it, moi, right here. But God comes along and he says, you don't need to worry about anything. Take a look at Philippians 4, 6. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. He says, don't worry about anything. How in the world can you and I do that? I say, as we pray. Pray and don't panic. Worship and don't worry. When you and I invite worship, and what is worship? It's expressing our love to God. It's hashtag five grateful things. As you and I focus, and this is a key part, I hope we get this on hope. As you and I invite worship in, worry goes out the back door. God says, I don't want you to worry about anything. Now, why though is worry so wrong? Well, Jesus gives us an explanation of it in his most famous sermon called the Sermon on the Mount. 
He gives us five things out of this most famous sermon of why worry is so worthless. And the first one is this. Will you just write this down? Worry is unreasonable. In other words, it's irrational. Take a look at verse 25. Do not worry about your life, what you'll eat or drink, and don't worry about your body or what you'll wear. Your life is far more important than clothes. Now, for some of you, that was just a revelation right there, okay? Pastor George, are you telling me my clothes don't make me? Yeah, that's what I'm telling you, okay? Clothes don't make the man, and by the way, clothes don't make the woman, okay? I'm not suggesting that you go naked on me, okay? That's not good, but they don't make anything, okay? He says, don't worry about these trivial, small, minor, little things. Let me tell you why that's so important. You see, when you and I worry, oftentimes what we do is we worry about the wrong things, don't we? We worry about the little things. We worry about the things that are here today and gone tomorrow. I say this, if we're gonna worry, and I don't, I'm not saying we should, but if we're gonna worry, folks, we ought to worry about the big things, right? We ought to worry about the eternal things. But what do we do? We do worry about the temporal things, things that are here today and gone tomorrow. Another reason why worry is so irrational is that it doesn't change anything. If it, if, if it did, guess what? If there'd be some kind of worth to it, but it doesn't. It doesn't change anything. And yet we like to worry, don't we? Because somehow, some way, we think that through our worry, we can change them. We can change the situation, but we can't. It's unreasonable. The third is this. When you and I worry, oftentimes it becomes larger in our eyes. Someone comes up and criticizes me. George, I didn't like your message that well. I walk away. They've totally forgotten that comment. I'm stewing on that all week. It gets bigger. I look around. I don't think anybody likes my messages. Pretty soon I'm thinking the whole world is against me. Folks, it's unreasonable. The second thing that Jesus says on his, in his most important sermon was worry is unnatural. Now, I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but human beings are the only thing in God's creation that worries. Do you know that? Ants don't worry, dogs don't worry, cats don't worry, rocks don't worry, plants don't worry, insects don't worry. Only human beings in rebellion to God worry. And yet God never designed us to worry. Take a look at Matthew 6, 26. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Jesus goes to nature, and he says, hey, take a look at the birds. God cares for them. Then he goes to the lilies uh, in Matthew 6, 28 and 29. And why worry about your clothes? Look at the field, field lilies. They don't worry about theirs. They, yet King Solomon in all his glory was not clothed as beautiful as they. Again, he points to nature. And he says, take a look at the flowers. Take a look at the design. Take a look at the color in those flowers, the intricacy of them. Guess what? They don't wear makeup. They don't go fancy themselves up. They're not concerned with their appearance. And they are just dead gorgeous the way they are. I have never met 
an ugly person in my whole life. Not one. Now the Presbyterians down the street aren't as pretty as we are, but they're not ugly, okay? What's Jesus doing here? He is using nature. He's taking a lesson from nature and he says, let's go bird watching. What do birds do? Folks, they don't do anything. They're on God's welfare program, right? All they do is tweet and poop on our windshields. That's all they do. They don't worry. And God says, you are more valuable than they are. And then he gives us a botany lesson. He says, let's go take a look at the flowers. Are they not dead gorgeous? And you are too. He's saying worry is unnatural. All of creation trusts me, but you humans don't. But Pastor George, I was born a worrier. No, you weren't. You learned it. You learned it from something or someone. And if you learned it, guess what? You can unlearn it. Now, how does that happen? We're gonna get into this in May because hopelessness starts with self-image. How do we learn this? Circle the phrase in verse 26. Your heavenly father. You see, God created everything, but he made you his kids. God is not the father of dogs and cats and cows and horses. God, though, is your father. You have been made in his image. That is why you can trust him. That is why you and I should express our love to him. That is why you don't see cows praying in the field and you don't see dogs worshiping either. They have not been made in God's image. We are God's kids. So worry is unreasonable. It is unnatural. Third, it is unhelpful. Now, what do I mean by that? I mean that it's useless. That, that it doesn't do anything. Take a look at verse 27. Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? You see, worry can't, can't make you a taller person, can't make you a shorter person, can't make you a bigger person, can't make you a smaller person. It can't add one single second to your life. All it can do is rob you of life. As I was doing research for this message, I don't know how in the world they determined this, but it was pretty clear in a lot of different articles that people who are are worriers live 20 percent, uh, have a 20% shorter lifespan than those that don't. Worry sucks the life, physical life, out of us. Worrying about any problem in your life doesn't move you towards resolving it either. Because worry is, is like emotion, it's a wasted energy. Emotional energy, it's like being in a rocking chair and rocking, hey, a lot of energy is expended, but you're not making any progress. Worry can't change things. Worry can't change the past because it's already happened. And worry can't change the future because no matter what you do, you can't control it. Well, Pastor George, well, if worry can't change the past, can't change the future, I mean, what in the world does worry do? It just makes you miserable in the present. It robs you of life. Solomon said this in Proverbs 12, 25, worry weighs us down. It leads to discouragement and to doubt and to despair and depression and ultimately to hopelessness. 
Now remember, your body was not designed to carry worry. When you swallow your worry, when you internalize your concerns, guess what? Your body keeps score. Oh, my aching back. Oh, my headache. You know what? I'm just worried sick. Maybe. Backaches, headaches, insomnia, all kinds of stuff. But Solomon in Proverbs 13 says this, a heart at peace gives life to the body. Do you want to be healthier? Honestly, you want to be healthier? Stop worrying. Know that you're a child of God. And start trusting. The fourth thing that Jesus says in this Sermon on the Mount, this is a famous sermon, says that it's unnecessary. Now, why does he say that? Because he has made promise after promise after promise that he'll take care of his kids, that he will take care of everything. The Lord is my shepherd. He will lead, feed, and meet needs. He is your heavenly father. Remember, do you remember when you were a kid? Can you remember that? I can't. I know I look old, but I'm not that old. I can remember when I was a kid, I never worried about a thing growing up. Not a thing. I'd come to my dad. Hey, dad, I need this. I'd get it. Dad, I need some money to go to the prom. I'd get it. Dad, I need some money to buy you a, uh, buy you a Christmas gift. Uh, I'd get it. Dad, I need some money to buy mom a Christmas gift. Let's pray about that, George. Just kidding. I never worried about a thing. Why? Because... It wasn't my responsibility. You see, we worry about a lot of things that are God's responsibility. And when you and I do, what we're doing is we're playing God. We're assuming responsibility for something that God never intended us to have. We are assuming that he isn't a good God, that he isn't a good shepherd, that he will not lead, feed, and meet needs. Take a look at Matthew 6, verse 30. If God cares so wonderfully, even for the flowers that are here today and gone tomorrow, won't he more surely care for you? What is he saying here? He's saying because you're more valuable than flowers, because you have an eternal value, God will take care of you. And you're valuable to him because you are a child of God. Folks, my kids are valuable to me. My grandkids are valuable to me. That's why I'm taking them to Disney World, okay? I cannot wait. It's great, okay? You are a child of God. And when you and I worry, we are forgetting the goodness of God. We are forgetting that God is a good God all the time. If we ever go down a rat hole, of thinking, you know what? God doesn't care for me. Understand this, it will lead to a very dark place. It will lead to five thoughts, and we will get to this after Easter. Thoughts like, I hate myself. I don't matter. I'm useless. I don't belong. I have no purpose. Not understanding who we are leads to some very, very dark places. I mean, think about this. 
Most of us here, I would say, have stepped across the line of faith and we are heaven bound. Because why? Jesus solved our biggest problem, right? If God solved our biggest problem, our sin problem, how will he not take care of everything else? Folks, it makes no sense whatsoever to trust God with the biggest problem, your eternal salvation, and not trust him for a car payment or a house payment or a job change or whatever. Let me put it like this. Let, let me, let's just say I, my car breaks down on 121 right here. And I gotta get from one destination to the next station. And I'm walking on 121 with a backpack on my back and you drive by, you see me and you say, hey, Pastor George, you wanna ride? And I go, yeah, absolutely. And I jump in your Mercedes with the car. Oh, okay, I, that, write that in, that's a joke, that's good. Uh, convertible down and I'm driving. We're driving down the road. About five minutes later, you look over at me and I've got this backpack still on. Pastor George, take that backpack off. Just throw it in the back of the seat. Oh no, I could never do that. It's enough that you're taking me from destination A to destination B. I I'm gonna carry my own backpack. I'm gonna worry about the stuff that's on my back. We do the same thing with God, don't we? We jump in his car. We're willing for him to take us from point A, from eternity present into eternity future. But God, I'll carry my own backpack. I'll worry about my sex life. I'll worry about my vocational life. I'll worry about my family life. I'll worry about my marriage, God. Thank you very much, but I'll carry those things myself. If God can carry you from eternity present into eternity future, surely he can carry your backpack. Worry is unnecessary. Fifth thing Jesus talks about is that it's, un, it's unbelief. It's unreasonable, it's unnatural, it's unhelpful, it's unnecessary, and it's unbelief. Worry is doubting God. God has promised again and again and again, if you and I will just trust him, he will meet all of our needs. When you and I doubt that, at that moment, we are acting like an unbeliever. Practically, we are acting like an atheist. I love this out of Philippians 4.19. I love the combination of the message in the Living Bible. It says, you can be sure. That means certain. It's not a hope, it's not a wish, it's certainty. You can be sure that God will take care of most things that you need. Is that what that says? No, sorry, I, I injected the reviled substandard version right there, okay? Right from the pit of hell, okay? No, it doesn't say that. It says God will take care of everything. What does not, what's not included in everything? Nothing. It's all taken care of. And God is good. And everything you need because what Jesus has done for us. God is good to you and I. Not because we're good. In fact, you may not realize this, but God's even good to bad people. He's given them life. He's given them blood. He's given them oxygen. He's given them sunshine. He gave them just an extra hour of sleep this week, okay? God is good based on his goodness. We have a good shepherd. He is a good, good God. 
not on our goodness. So when we who know him doubt his goodness, we're acting like an unbeliever. Take a look at verse 32. People who don't know God and the way he works, they worry over these things. Now, let me be honest with you. If you don't know Jesus Christ and he's not your good, you can claim it, he's my good, good shepherd, and you're proud of that, you have everything in the world to worry about, honestly, because you're trying to do it all yourself. You're trying to solve all your problems on your own. And so I say this, the starting point of a worryless life is humility. God, you're God, and I'm not right now. But as Christians, we're different. We have a heavenly father who has promised his kids. We are his kids. We are not insects. We are not dogs and cats. We're not, we're not plants either. We are his kids. And he has given us over 7,000 promises in his word stating, I'll take care of my own. And he knows what your needs are. He knows what your sexual needs are. He knows what your financial needs are. He knows what your vocational needs are. Folks, he knows all your needs. But when we worry, we act like he doesn't know them. And so we practice atheism in one sense. Now, let me tell you, I was talking with my prayer team about this this past week. I really think the worst worry is the worry when life is going grand. I mean, it's right on down the road. We're just going for it. And we have the thought, I wonder when the wheels are gonna fall off. You see, that was Job's issue. Job had a good life. Oh man, life is good. But then the wheels fell off and it said of Job, Job said this, that which I feared has happened. It was a self-fulfilling prophecy. Now let's step back. Do you think God worries about anything? No. You and I are made in his image. God says, don't worry about a thing. You've been made in my image. You're one of my kids. When it came to that critical time with the disciples, when Jesus knew it was gonna be rough on him and it was gonna be rough on his gang of 12, he turned to them and says, don't worry. Believe in God, believe also in me. How do you do that? How do you and I believe in the good shepherd of Jesus Christ? When we know that, that life, that worry drains us of life, that it is unreasonable, unnatural, unhelpful, unnecessary, and unbelief. How do you and I not worry, but believe in Jesus Christ? Because he is our eternal hope. Four things that you gotta do every day. Number one is this, every day, ask him to be my shepherd. If I ask him to be my shepherd, he will lead, feed, and meet needs. Now, when do you do this? Well, I say you do it after your first cup of McDonald's coffee, okay? Because I don't even believe in God until I've had that in front of me. So I say you do it the first thing in the morning, maybe after that first cup of coffee. And you come and you ask God to be your shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. Jesus, I'm expecting you to lead, feed, meet needs. I'm expecting you to give me success today and forgive my misdeeds. And then after you've done that, I say throughout your day, you keep one ear to heaven and one ear to earth. And when earth is starting to rumble, you bring and invite heaven to earth. 
when you walk into a parent-teacher meeting or when you have a major decision that needs to happen or you've got some other meeting that's going on in your life and you need leading and feeding and needs met, you come and say, the Lord is my shepherd. Jesus, lead, feed, meet needs. Help me to succeed and forgive my misdeeds. Take a look at John 10, 14. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep and they know me and I lay down my life for my sheep. If Jesus loved you enough to lay down his life for you, how will he not give you everything else? He will. He will lead, feed, and meet your needs. He will help you succeed and he will forgive your misdeeds. We have a good, good God. Now folks, if you don't like that prayer, you might wanna pray David's prayer. Take a look at uh, Psalms 28, verse nine. Come save us and bless us, Lord. Be our shepherd and always carry us in your arms. Lord, I need you today. I need you, God. I need you to save me. I need you to bless me today. God, I need you to be my shepherd today. God, if you've been hurt, God, I need you to carry me in your arms. I can't do this, God. You gotta carry me. I've seen my grandkids fall down, hurt themselves, start crying. And I've seen my kids, my sons, my daughter-in-laws pick up their kids and just comfort them. Maybe that's your prayer. The second thing I would suggest is this, is that you give Jesus first place in every area of your life. This is extremely important. And so I, wanna think, I want you to think of your life like a house. If you are a believer, you have invited Jesus into your house, okay? Now you have to give him access into every room that's in the house. You gotta give him access to the kitchen, the dining room, the family room, the media, the office, the backyard. Why? Because he now is the manor. He's the Lord of the manor. And if you give him access into every room, he will meet the needs that are in every room. Take a look at Matthew 6, 31. Your heavenly father already knows perfectly well what you need. Now just stop right there. He knows all the needs that you have. Not a one takes them by surprise. You go, God never goes, oh, I didn't know that. I'm sorry. Folks, he knows them all. And he will give you what you need if, will you circle that word, if, you give him first place in your life and live as he wants you to. He says, if you give him access, if you trust him, if you make him first place in every room, he'll meet all the rooms, all the needs in that room. But any room that you do not give him, guess what? You start to worry about. And worry leads to fatigue and frustration. God, I'm gonna give you all the rooms, but I'm not gonna give you the kitchen. No <laughs> way, man, I'm gonna, I'm gonna eat what I wanna eat. Uh, God, I'll give you all the rooms, but I'm not gonna give you uh, the office. That's where I do all the finances. I'm not gonna give you that one. I'm not gonna give you the family room because I'm gonna take control of these kids. I'm not gonna give you, the, I'm not gonna give you uh, uh, the room, uh, the media room because I wanna watch whatever I wanna watch, God, but I'll give you everything else. You see, what happens is that leads to fatigue and frustration because you got too many number ones in your life. I say this, simplify your life. Only have one number one. Jesus is a good, good shepherd. Every day, ask Jesus to be your shepherd. 
every day, give him first place in every area of your life. Three, relax and give him your worries in prayer. Last week, I mentioned how we are to write down, hashtag five grateful things of things that God has done, is doing, has done. It's really has done, because that's gratefulness, it's already happened. Thanks is faith, but grateful. And I said, count your blessings. If you remember, I even sang that song. It was pretty good. I'm getting ready for Christmas Eve, okay? I'm going to win this thing this year, okay? Count your blessings, name them one by one. Count, count, be grateful. God's got his fingerprints all over your life. You and I, if we just pause and reflect enough and worship, (laughs) hey, we'll see those things. But I say this, also add to it the things that that concern you. Write them down. I do that, you can talk to my admin. Every Monday, I got 25 things that are on my mind, concerns. And there are times then my admin, Michelle and I, we pray together. Okay, let's pray over these things. These are big issues. Yep, they are. You see, write them down. Don't suppress it. Don't repress it. Express it to God. Because remember, you weren't made, designed to carry worry. When you swallow your worry, your body keeps the score. Express it. Peter, in 1 Peter 5, says this, give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about what happens to you. And when you do, you just relax. Now, it's interesting. As you study this Sermon on the Mount, in verse 32, it says, for those that don't know him, instead of them entrusting their cares, their concerns, their worries to them, it says the Greek word is epizateo, It means to run. It means to frantically seek. Instead of them entrusting and relaxing, they run here and run there and they run over here and they run over there. And isn't it amazing in the prosperity of our country how hurried we are and fatigued and frustrated. We're gonna work on that in the beginning of the year. So I want you to write this down. Worry or hurry creates worry. Hurry creates worry. What we need to do is we need to express and relax. Take a look at Philippians 4, 6. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God all your needs and thank him for all he's done for you. If you do these things, you will experience God's peace, which is far more wonderful than the human mind can understand. Do you see that last phrase is what is called peace that passes all understanding. What is that? That is a peace that makes no sense. It's illogical. You come up to someone and say, hey, how's that job going? And they tell you, I lost my job. But I have peace. The Lord is my shepherd. Hey, you went to the doctors. How was the checkup? I have cancer. But I'm at peace. The Lord is my shepherd. You see, how can someone have peace with things like that? Because their shepherd leads, feeds, and meets needs. And so every day I ask the Lord to be my shepherd. I make him first place in every area of my life, every room. Thirdly, I pray and I just relax. Then number four, I trust him 
one day at a time. I don't steal tomorrow by bringing it in to today. Today has enough troubles of its own. God gives you grace only for the present, not for tomorrow. Take a look at this verse, verse 34. Don't worry about tomorrow because tomorrow will have its own worries. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Now, there's not a day during the week that you and I ought to worry about, but there are two days especially you shouldn't worry about, yesterday and tomorrow. Yesterday, because there's nothing you can do about it. And tomorrow is because you can't control it. We need to live in the present, not the past and not the future. We live in the present and we live in the presence for a number of reasons. One is that when you and I worry about tomorrow, what we oftentimes do is we miss out on the blessings of today. Hashtag five grateful thanks. And that's happened to me. I've been trying to do it every week, every day. And yet I've gotten caught up where I've had people email me. George, you didn't do it. Thank you for seeing my sin. We miss the things that God's doing. But the other reason is you don't have power for tomorrow's problems. God's power has a shelf life. It's only available at the time. Now, when I say that, I'm not saying that you and I shouldn't plan. No, we should plan for tomorrow. What I am saying is don't worry about tomorrow. Planning is good, worrying is bad. You can plan for tomorrow, but you can't live in tomorrow. Now, I know with the world that we live in, as we think of the future, it can overwhelm us globally, the things that are going on, nationally, locally, in our lives, in our families' lives. But God has not given us the future all at once. He gives it to us one day at a time. Our life is like an hourglass. The grain of sand goes through one at a time. We can handle one grain at a time, but we can't handle it all at once. And this is where Jesus wraps it up in Matthew 6, 34. Give your entire attention to what God is doing right now. And don't get worked up about what may or may not happen tomorrow. God will help you deal with whatever hard times come up when the times come. Now, having said what we, I have said and what we have talked about, writing notes on, is it possible that worry is reducing your hope quotient? That you're finding that it's draining your life, that it is unhelpful, unreasonable, unnatural, unnecessary, and unbiblical. What do you and I do? We add to our prayer life our concerns. We do an acts. We acknowledge God. God, you're a good God and you are good all the time. Then I confess, God, I have sinned. I've blown it. I have not made you my shepherd today. But then I give thanks. God, you have been faithful to me. Hashtag five grateful thanks. And then you supplicate. You give God your concerns. When that happens, when you and I do that and we begin to make this a practice in our life, we will see our hope quotient like this. 
Now, I want to add one other addendum, kind of asterisk to this. I know that there are people in our church family that have been fighting chronic anxiety all of their life since they've been very young. I want you to know that's not your fault. It's a chemistry thing. It's a genetic thing. It's, it's broken. You not only need this message, but you need a doctor for maybe medications. You need maybe a coach to counsel you through it. And you need a support group. We are here for you. Let's pray. Father, you are a good, good God. And you are good all the time. You are a good shepherd. And God, I admit there are times when I have not made you that that I have chosen to play the role of God. And it hasn't worked out well. I've hurt you, I've hurt others, I've hurt myself. But I thank you that you still are faithful, that you are good, not because I'm good, but because you're good. Because of what you've done through Jesus Christ. And God, I give you my concerns. I give you this church. This is your church, God. It's not mine. It's your church. God, I give you the families in this church that may be at each other's throats. I give them to you, God. They're your families. I give you those individuals who are struggling in their vocations. God, they're, they're, they're your people. I give them to you, God. Work. God, I thank you that as, as we come to you and we give you what is on our hearts and on our minds, because we're your children, you go to work. And I praise you for that. Today, I want to ask you this, as your heads are bowed, are you a child of God? Have you made Jesus your good, good shepherd? If you haven't, you have everything in the world to be worried about. Would you, if you haven't, would you just invite him in? Become one of his children. Say something like, God, I admit, I haven't made you the shepherd of my life. I've chosen to be my own God, and God, it's not working out right now. But I believe that you died for me, that because of your goodness, I can be good in your eyes. And right now, I say yes to you. I want my hope to rise. I want to be a hopeful person. I want to anticipate your goodness. So God, thank you what you've given me in your son. If you prayed that prayer, God heard it. Would you just let me know on your communication card, just write your name, maybe an email address, write the letter A stating I've accepted Christ. On the back, you can check the box. I'm, I'm giving my life to Christ. I wanna know, I wanna help you. I wanna lead, feed, and I wanna meet needs in your life. So Lord, we give you this. We thank you for your goodness. In your son's precious name we pray.